Hello and welcome, and we return to the Nil Nil Podcast. Episode 7. Is it episode 7 already? Yep, last week was episode 6. That was our really predictions for the weekend, so... We're really doing these <laughs> very often. Con- consistent is the word you're looking for. Uh, yeah, I guess. Consistent. Yes, twice a week. Okay, so what are we going to talk about today, Danny? What are we going to talk about? We have quite a bit to talk about with all the games that happened and all of our incorrect predictions that we made. Did you write down which ones we predicted? Uh, No, I didn't, so I have no idea what they are. Okay, I don't remember either. I don't keep track of this. (laughs) But I do remember that we were saying this was kind of like an upset weekend with a lot of these results that we ended up seeing. Yeah, definitely. It's, uh, it's hard to predict. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you can't even go based on their last week performance because it changes completely. That's why. That's why you need like at least five games before you yeah. know what the form is like, so we can get a base. Um, but I think there's a couple of games that stood out, and then the rest were kind of like whatever. You know, mm-hmm. low scoring or non-scoring. <clears throat> Looking at you, Chicago and Orlando. Chicago, what, two games, no wins? They're both draws, right? Chicago, two games, no wins, and no goals. That's a Shakiri effect right there. Yep. <laughs> so, where do you want to start? Do we just go through the so-so ones? Yeah, let's get through. Let's just get through the... I mean, we don't we don't need to talk about anyone, all every single one, because I mean, there was some games that are definitely forgettable, and I'm sure nobody's going to remember them next week either. So, let's just get to the big ones. Okay, um, well, I think one of the big ones, at least to me, because of the scoreline, was Austin and Miami. Mm-hmm. That was one of the games I watched. I mean, that's already two games for them, ten goals. Yep. But, but, I mean, they played Cincinnati and Miami. Anybody that plays them is going to have 10 goals in two games. That's true. Well, not really, because last week, Chicago couldn't score one. Yeah, but Chicago they, hasn't scored anything. And they exactly. Were, they were trash last season. Well, I mean, it's Inter Miami. You said anybody can score five. Oh, fine. Anybody but Chicago. <laughs> okay, anybody but Chicago. Um, no, but so... Just off of that scoreline, you'd think, wow, they really made some really good investments in their players, and they've turned a leaf, and now they're actually going to be really good. At least it seems like they're going to be very threatening. You're talking about Inter, Miami? No, Austin. I was about to say. How is Inter going to be any threatening because (laughs) they got scored on so much? No, it's because you were talking about transfers. I was like, nobody made more transfers than Miami, I'm pretty sure. Well, it's not about more transfers, but, you know, with two results that are five goals each, Austin, you would think that they're pretty threatening, that they're a pretty strong team. But like you said, they haven't really been tested, especially because these two teams that they got those five goals tend to be very weak teams. Yeah, I believe next week... Should be their first tough game for sure. 
who are they facing next week? Uh, they're going to be playing against Portland next week. Oh, yeah, that's going to be a good test. Park the Bus FC, Portland. I don't know. If you look at that LA game, there was no bus bus parking in that. What, by Portland? Yeah. They parked the bus. What do you mean they didn't park the bus? We played in their half the whole game. Yeah, but that was after they went down one player, but we'll Duh. get into that. <laughs> um, to finish off with Austin and Inter, anything that you want to say? Austin and Inter. Uh, Inter doesn't know how to defend, especially when you use Breck Shea as a center back. It's not a good idea. <laughs> yeah, um, it doesn't look like they got any creativity going forward. Now they got Egoin as number 10, but I mean, they need another Egoin for Egoin to pass to. So that's not really going to work. They did score a goal, but that wasn't through any creativity of their own. Austin literally gave no. the ball back to them, and Egoin just yeah. happened to find, um, uh, what's his name? Campana alone up front was able to slot yeah. it away, but there wasn't no. They had no goals from open play in terms of, you know, passing the ball, getting to the final third. So Inter-Miami is at, at least or one of the least threatening teams there is in this league right now. Um, mm-hmm. And especially with Phil Neville as a coach, I don't think they're going to go that far. Yeah, I mean, plus, they... yeah, plus they're in a heavy rebuild and whatnot. <laughs> They've been rebuilding since their initiation into the league. Then uh, they went from all DPs to no DPs, <laughs> except to, for Iguain, yeah, d- yeah, Iguain, But Iguain alone is hardly going to do anything. Exactly. Like you said, he didn't even create that chance that came out. It was just a silly turnover yeah. from Austin. Exactly. But I, I saw some of the highlights, and Austin just looked completely dominant. They were constantly a threat, constantly attacking Inter. And it just didn't look like Inter were even yeah. present at the game. Yeah. I'm interested in the Driussi guy. It looks like he can... He looks like he knows how to put the ball in the back of the net, which is yeah. something that Austin didn't really have much last season. Um, <laughs> and it seems like all their players that they invested in last season are finally you know, paying off this season. And it looks like the coach finally has them working together. Granted, they did play against Cincinnati and Miami. But, I mean, with those two teams as your first two teams, it's a great way to get your form going. So maybe they can hold it out for the rest of the season. Yeah. So, I don't know. There's, I don't think there's anything more to say about their their game. I mean, pretty one-sided match. Yep. Okay. Another game that... I thought was kind of interesting was Colorado and Atlanta. Interesting in what way? Was it just the scoreline? <laughs> just the scoreline, yeah. Just because I expected maybe Atlanta to do a little better. I didn't think it was going to be a complete shutout. I want to say it was a big game, but it was one of the most surprising games because especially how with how Colorado played against LAFC, which yeah. meant with many people saying they didn't even show up to the game, all of mm-hmm. a sudden they're playing at home. And they destroy Atlanta United 3-0. So. <laughs> well, well, I think that has a lot to do with kind of the lineup that they ended up using. Because if you remember in the LA game, they had K up front. And in this game, they put K back in the midfield instead of being up. You mean his natural forward. position? 
yes, his natural position. And um, they also made like two other changes with having Alves and Acosta on the bench and having mm. Barrios and Rubio start, which immediately made a complete impact I on mean, I mean, on they, their game they, plan. Uh, I think they should always be playing Barrios anyway. That dude's got a lot of energy. Yeah, and Rubio was involved in two of the goals. Exactly. And Scoring the, one and assisting the other. And I'm pretty sure he was one of those players that was doing well for them last season after struggling sometimes before. Like, he was finally getting some forms together. So, I don't know why they're not playing him when they clearly yeah, they, should be. Just from looking at how they were playing in this match, it makes no sense why they even tried the formation they did back with L.A. I think if they would have tried this, the result would have been completely different with the L.A. game. Yeah, I would assume so because it was they did not play at all when they played against us. So yeah, and even though the scoreline does reflect like Colorado was completely dominant, it, it really wasn't. Uh, they were kind of even going back and forth, both Atlanta and Colorado. It's just that Colorado was able to uh, what's the word? Take it, finish off their plays. Of their yeah, yeah, finish off their plays exactly. Yeah, and most of their chances came out in the first half, and then in the second half, it was like Atlanta kind of woke up and they're like, "Oh yeah, we got to attack here," and they started getting a lot of chances, but they just couldn't break through the final third and couldn't convert any of their clear chances that they did get. Yeah, and I find this result really, really disappointing if you're Atlanta, exactly because. Mm-hmm. Um, they're supposed to be one of the good teams, especially right. the year that they won the title. They were amazing. And the year after that, they were still competitive. Um, but then it just seems like it's going downhill from here. And it looks, just from these first two games, it seems like their inconsistency is roaring up again like they had last season. So hopefully Gonzalo yeah. Pinella can turn it around. But Hopefully. I mean, but, but I don't put the, the whole blame on this game being like a three nil scoreline on them playing bad. It just happens to be that they were two goals down and then that red card didn't make anything easier. And it just made it easier for Colorado to convert that third goal. Yeah, but given how Colorado played before, Austin should not have been two nil down. I mean, Austin, Atlanta should not have been two nil down to begin with. No. Right. So, no. Yeah. They, they still need to improve. Um, but, Still too early in the season, and MLS is crazy, so I'm not gonna write off their season just yet. <laughs> yeah, no, so I'm surprised, but good for Colorado. I think that this is a better lineup that works for them, and they should really keep going with this one rather than try to experiment at this point. I agree. I mean, just play your best players, it's, it's not that hard, <laughs> yeah, especially when it works. They- work. That's what I was about to say. Like, especially if they're performing on the field, play them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. If it works, why are you trying to fix something that's not even broken? Anyway, okay. who's next? Um, I've got two games. I don't know if you have any other ones, but oh, I, I want to see what, what all your games are, and then I'll bring up um, if there's any that I think you missed. I'll say that. okay. Um, one of the ones that I was more surprised about and then excited when I ended up seeing what happened was the Columbus San Jose one. Oh yeah. I was watching that game as well. <laughs> that one was 
pretty crazy. Uh, keeping in mind that San Jose was playing with 10 men after the 34th minute. Yes. I mean, it was... No matter what they say, it wasn't even controversial. Like it's a pretty obvious red card, so they oh, yeah. they didn't really have anything to complain about. Um, mm-hmm. But I would have just thought they, because once that once that um, was his name, Jamiro Montero. Uh, once uh-huh. he got we got, he got sent off. I thought it, you know it was all downhill for San Jose at that point because they started inviting the pressure. Naturally, it's hard to keep uh, opponents away when you when you have one less player. Um, right. So Columbus started taking advantage of that, and they were pushing and pushing, and then eventually they got their first goal, mm-hmm. and then the second half, the second goal came along, and then the third goal came along, and you thought they were just gonna get a route going, but all of a sudden it just seemed to switch for San Jose in the second half, out of nowhere. Yeah, especially late. Yeah, but here's the thing though. Here's the thing. Like before the red card. You- San Jose was the one that scored first. Yeah. Exactly. So you and and they were playing very well, you know, with everybody on the field. So you would have thought it, or at least it looked like they were going to be the ones that were going to win this game between both Colum- with Columbus and San Jose. Yep. Um so once that that red card is like, "Oh, you know, they're really going to go downhill from here and then they're going to get, you know, what was the result that Columbus got? Like four zero or five? I think it was like four one. The four one the week right? before, right? Yeah, the week before. So you, it was against that's Vancouver, exactly what I thought. Right. Yeah, that's what it, that's what I thought was gonna happen. It's like, oh, here we go again. Columbus are are gonna start scoring goals and it's gonna be like a four one, five one situation. But especially when they were already down three one. Yep. But then those last two goals came in from set pieces. And both headers from Calvo. Yep. The dude. And in the last 12 minutes of the game. I mean, yep, he put the team on his back. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think. Him him and Gregus. No, I know. I know. But uh, that Calvo guy, especially, oh, man, you can't write these stories up. He literally scored on the last play of the game. Even the goalie was up there yeah. when he scored. So that's yep. why I was like, when I saw it going out, I was like, no way. I was like, this is scripted, 100% scripted. There's no way they would have let that in. But sure enough, it happened. Um, I think if you're a Columbus supporter, you'd probably be super disappointed with this. They've played back-to-back games oh, yeah. up a man. Because in the Vancouver game, one of their players also got sent off, right? So mm-hmm. in that game, they were able to take advantage to score four goals. In this, in one, this one, there's no way they should have lost a 3-1 need. There's in this one, it was no almost like they were the ones with the man down. Yeah, but both of those goals came from set pieces, didn't they? The last yeah, two goals? Yeah, both of those. Came, one was a free kick. That was mm-hmm. at the 83rd minute. Yeah. And then the last one was from a corner. Yeah, so if they... It seems like they got to work on their set piece defending, especially if you're in the last minute mm-hmm. of every game. Aren't you going to try everything to make sure that the ball doesn't go into the net? And from yeah. what I remember on that play, they had... San Jose had two players available to head that ball. They and they mm-hmm. they ended up crashing into each other. So those two men that were unmarked basically. They did. Uh, yeah. that were so even if Calvo didn't score it, there was the guy right behind him. So it would have gone in regardless anyway. So yeah. I think they got some serious work to do in turn into not only improving their mentality to let go a three one lead, but also they probably need to defend better on the set pieces. I feel like they got a little overconfident, kinda like took the gear down yeah especially seeing how Zelarayan was like 
He was on fire, was, basically. He was on fire. That free kick was so good. And not only that, but, I mean, the first goal he scored was amazing as well. Yeah, but I mean, um, it, it's not like they weren't looking to win. It was more like they were looking to win, but just not with the same urgency as, as if they were facing a full full team. Exactly. And that's always the danger when you go a man up that a lot of people start to relax because they assume that, oh, it's going to be easy. It's a given. We're going to win this game. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's exactly what happened in Columbus. They got too comfortable and San Jose found a way back in. And hey. the, the thing is, especially, sorry to interrupt, but... Um, for the next game. So Columbus actually lives this game feeling like it's a loss, doesn't it? Yeah. And how, how would you not feel like it's a loss? Exactly. And San Jose feels the exact opposite. Not only did they lose a man and they got three goals scored against, but at the end of the game, they left feeling like they won. So yeah, that's going to be really important heading into the next game as well. That's definitely not a bad point to gain. If you're ever going to be happy about a draw, this is probably one of those moments. Exactly. And, I mean, Here, you shouldn't be trying to lose any points, especially towards no, you sh- you they're should. so important so early on for the end of the season because every point matters. Especially with the quality that they have, which was shown in them being able to take that 3-1 lead. Mm-hmm. On top of that, here's the thing. Based on the statistics, you'd think Columbus should have won. 19 Shots to seven. Exactly. Yeah. So, how they didn't win that, I have no idea. I don't know oh, either, but... One, one last note before before I... Uh, <laughs> the only thing I, I, I noticed here is uh, the formation that Almeida chose for San Jose was different this week than what he chose last week. Last week, he chose a 3-4-3. Three, three. This time, he chose a 4-2-3-1. Yeah. And um, I also think they pretty sure they ended up subbing out trophies for um, yeah they ended up subbing out trophies for I want to say Cade Cow mm-hmm. who's like you know that seventeen year old dude that looks like he's thirty because he's so buff <laughs> oh okay <laughs> yeah because they needed more. Somebody that had more strength, you know what I mean? Especially when you're down a man, you need somebody that has the strength of two people. Okay, yeah. so they subbed trophies out for Jutsun and Eric Amedi out for Kate Cowell, but that was exactly at the same minute, so. Right. Yeah, and trophies is creative, but I think they just assumed they're trying to go into damage control and not let any goals get in at that point, but. Right. Still, I mean, 3 3, San Jose leaves feeling like they won columbus feels like they lost so it's going to be important for columbus considering their next match is um it's against toronto and um even though toronto's not that great right now they're i mean a bob bradley team's always dangerous wait who's going against uh toronto columbus next week oh yeah yeah they don't have to sleep on toronto because even though that's actually the last game that I have on my oh, list. Oh, good transition. <laughs> uh, which is uh, Red Bull New York mm. and Toronto. Uh, even though this scoreline reflects that they're absolutely garbage with that 4-1. Yep. I mean, just have Morgan on the field, and I think he could have taken care of the whole team already. <laughs> um, but 
even though it shows that the game before that was against New England, right? Toronto. Yeah, Toronto. No, no, it was, a, it was against FC Dallas. Remember? Oh, that's right, yeah. FC Dallas. Yeah. Okay, and so even though it they did get owned in this one, they can still you know score, and if you fall asleep, they'll take advantage of that. Yeah, um, but they definitely need to. They need to replace Bradley, Michael Bradley. Oh, yeah. That is. Yeah, I I watched the highlights to to see if there was anything notable in this, uh, and that's the only reason that I had this was because of the scoreline, and I figured, oh, four one, there's got to be something pretty significant going on here. Yeah, but uh, all I noticed was that Toronto's defense was not there; they were sluggish and lost most of the time. Yep, and you think they didn't play their. DP Carlos Osorio defense, but he was there, and he probably yeah. should have gotten sent off in this game because I watched it as well. And there was one where he went with studs up on the ball, and it's one of those where the ball gets trapped underneath his foot, and he basically just bounces off and shoots, like the the foot basically launches against the player behind the ball. It was one of those okay, where yeah. it rolls along the yeah. top. So that mm-hmm. happened, and he went studs up against the leg of the other guy, and he's lucky to not have broken that leg. Um, and I feel I'm, like the majority of the time, even though that's an accident, that always gets a red. Well, they ended up going to VAR and they ended up giving him a yellow, but I believe it should have been a red. Yeah, studs up. There, there were plenty of uh, games this weekend that had that where it studs up and it ended in a red. Yep. So I'm surprised that this one didn't. I'm surprised too, but. Oh, well, I guess, I mean, Toronto's got some real work to do on their defense, especially in that game. Um, it still doesn't look like Toronto has a clicking for them. No, I, I don't think no, Rob Badley's been able to influence his style this early on. It Toronto looked completely lost. Yeah. Uh, like, there is no real game plan. Uh, like I said, the defense doesn't look like it's there, and they look sluggish. Red Bull was able to just walk practically through the defensive line it was on counterattacks pretty much it's pretty much what they did most of their damage on the counterattacks yeah mostly counterattacks but this should have been a goal fest because this 4-1 scoreline was before we even hit the half halftime mark exactly and red bull basically let their foot off the gas in the second half i guess they didn't feel like going for more it's no no it's not even that they had a ton of chances. This easily could have been like a 9-1 game. But if, if it wasn't for Bono, then this would have been a much different result. But no, Bono he, was blocked. He was making everything. some amazing saves in this game. Um, there were so many good saves that he was... If it wasn't for them, Toronto would absolutely be worse than Cincinnati right now. I agree. I agree. Um, but, I mean, like I said, we're still too early. And... Um, Bob Bradley is an amazing coach. Say what you say about yeah. him. So he's, I'm sure I'm he's sure. an amazing coach. But sorry for interrupting. But I need to bring back, bring up at least one of the things that you told me when we were talking about this before. You said this is just Toronto is just a continuation of LA's past form from last season. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, remember you said that yeah. Bob Bradley, same same team, different, you know, team name. 
Yeah. Same coach, same results. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Because um, it, it did reflect very similar to how LA was playing in the last couple of games. Yeah. Yeah. I can't yeah, think and- of anything to mm-hmm. say about Toronto because it wasn't like they did manage to score a goal, but exactly. they're not. They literally gave up a goal right after they scored. So even right. when it was two to one, that's a dangerous scoreline, especially for Toronto. They should have mm-hmm. been able to pull one back. But instead of, you know, putting it, pulling it together and attacking, you know, New York, they ended up, um, they just ended up capsizing and let one in. And at that point, I mean, the game was pretty much over. Yeah, uh, that's that's what I was trying to see. As I was watching this, I was trying to see anything notable from Toronto. You know, like, oh, they made these changes and it was positive, but, you know, they just got unlucky. But no, there was nothing about Toronto that I could come up with either. If anything, the only and final thing that I have to say about this game is that Morgan should have left, left that game with four goals rather than just his hat trick. Yeah, I, I, think I remember thinking that as well. Goal, I think the disallowed goal should have been allowed. I, yeah. I don't think that should have been disallowed. Yeah. I remember feeling that way too after watching the game, but I mean, he's not going to be upset with only having a hat trick. <laughs> no. And now I ask you, did you expect this from Red Bull after telling me how LA beat Red Bull 6-1? Yeah, LA beat Red Bull 6-1, but in their first game... Remember, they ended up scoring 3-1 against San Jose. Granted, San Jose isn't that great of a team, but I mean, that, I guess that means they're better than Columbus because they could keep that 3-1. Um, yep. <laughs> so I, I, know, I knew they could score goals. I don't know if they could keep that form together. But, I mean, second weekend, they showed it, um, scoring four against Toronto. Now, is that more Toronto still learning under Bob Bradley or is that Red Bull having some decent form? So... I think three games in, that's enough to establish a trend. Mm -hmm. Especially, let's see who they go up against this next weekend. They're going to be going up against Minnesota. Yep. Oh, that's because I wasn't looking at Sunday. Uh, Minnesota, see, that's a decent matchup. They're not one of the bottom teams, so they're easily mid-table, if not higher than that, Minnesota. So that yeah. should be a good test to gauge where uh, Red Bulls are at. If they win this game, then I'll start believing in the hype a little bit. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So um, that was all five of your games that you thought were interesting on the weekend. I do think that... you forgot to mention one game. Okay. Well, those are the ones that I have on my list. Aside from the obvious one. The Lazy game, yeah, obviously. Was... I don't think that's not the one that I was going to bring up. Okay, what game were you going to bring up? You got to bring up Charlotte versus LA Galaxy, the home opener in front of the MLS record, the new MLS record in attendance. Uh, well, yeah. I, I, I mean, the game, wasn't, the game wasn't that interesting, like in terms of actual action on the field. But I think that's a pretty important milestone, hitting 74,000 fans in a stadium just to watch soccer. That is an insane amount of people, but that's awesome that they it's were able it. to generate that many of attendance. I mean, they beat Atlanta, who has like the top five records. So, <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, I thought it's interesting. It's interesting. You know how every every team's kind of trying to have their own thing going on. Mm-hmm. So I think Atlanta's got like the giant smoke cannons that shoot oh, okay. out a bunch of like smoke and yeah. 
fire and whatnot. Uh, when they shoot, when or what I mean, when they score, LFC's got black and gold smoke that they release. Mm-hmm. Um, Austin, Austin turns their lights green. Portland uh, with the chainsaw. Yeah, Portland does that. Nashville does the record thing. Uh, um, right. So Charlotte FC looks like I don't think they have something for scoring a goal. I have no idea of knowing because they still haven't done it. But uh, <laughs> and uh, if they do, we're still yet to find out. They have a throne in their stadium, and it's a it's throne, a hu- okay. it's a huge throne. Granted, this is the same stadium that the Panthers play at, but um, I don't know how that throne works. But I'm intrigued. It seems like they have somebody from basically Carolina royalty. I don't know if it has to be a football player, but somebody always sits in that chair. Or, I mean, uh-huh. that, that throne. Uh, Jimmy Johnson was at the game because he's from Carolina, I guess. <laughs> was he sitting on the throne? Uh, no, I don't think so. No, it was a guy from the Panthers I was sitting on there. Uh, besides that, I haven't seen much. Uh, we're still waiting to see what happens when they score a goal. But <laughs> the only thing I hope is that they keep this attendance record consistent. Like, that's 70,000 for the rest of the season and not like a half-filled stadium for the rest of the season. Yeah, hopefully it's not a one and done. Yeah, in terms of the game, it was actually pretty boring, and it took the Galaxy a wonder goal in order to beat Charlotte. I do have mm-hmm. to say, in terms of Charlotte's play, it does not look pretty good at all. Like, they had nothing going forward. Absolutely nothing. Um, I felt like they had a couple of chances. They did have a couple of chances, but barely anything at all. Like, two in the whole match, and one was from uh, from Fuchs, you know? Mm-hmm. And right. That one he was pulled down. He didn't even get a chance to kick it, you know, mm-hmm. that hard against the goal. But still, the, I'm not convinced by their play at all. There's no magic in that team in terms of uh, verticality, sending the ball forward. It just looks like nobody wants to put the effort into moving it forward. They can't get a couple passes together. The most dangerous player, up. yeah, the most dangerous player was this guy named Ben Bender, and he wasn't even playing the whole game. They subbed him in. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, in the second half. So I don't know why they're, why they're not starting him. But besides that, I don't see. There's like absolutely. There's not even chemistry, I don't think. I don't see any chemistry going on with that team. So maybe they just need a couple yeah. of games together. I mean, it is a brand new team. So we'll see. Yeah, or they need a season to kind of figure out they need what a, to do. They from. need a Cincinnati season to figure it they out. Need a, that's what it's going to be called from <laughs> a Cincinnati season. Yeah. Okay, so Charlotte obvious new team no idea what they're doing yet no galaxy though a seasoned team shouldn't they be winning this by more than just a wonder goal they would but the charlotte's goalie was on fire like the dude's blocking everything and i think galaxy trying to be too cute trying to like not necessarily walk the ball into (laughs) into the goal but they're trying to do a lot of fancy passing or a lot of there's a couple times where they actually shot from outside of the box, but they're trying to curl it into the top corner. Granted, they needed Efrain Alvarez to shoot from outside of the box. And right. A wonder goal, basically. But besides that, uh, Chicharito didn't really have anything going for him. He had a couple shots, but they were blocked by the goalie. So there wasn't there wasn't that many chances where Galaxy should have won, you know, Easily right. two or three goals. It was literally like if they were going to win, it was going to be one zero or two zero at all, if anything. Yeah. So I don't know. I think that Galaxy still have a lot to 
figure out when it comes to being more threatening. Mm-hmm. Um, because, I mean, yes, the goalie was on fire for Charlotte, but DC was able to get three past them. Yeah. So from Galaxy, who... Technically, they're improving. <laughs> have improved because, I mean, Costa was on there. Yeah, but I think Costa ran out of steam towards the end, which is why they subbed him out. Well, you said you watched the game, right? Yep. Uh, I wasn't, you know, so super into it, but I didn't have okay. it on and I was glancing at it from time to time. Yeah. What did you see about Costa, if anything? He's really good at the beginning and he still got that aggressiveness going forward. He still, you can tell he definitely has more skill than the rest of the players on the field. However, in terms mm-hmm. of the end, like, I feel like his decision making isn't that great. So, especially when he starts getting tired, a lot of his passes weren't really going anywhere and he wasn't really offering much danger against Charlotte. So, like I said, I think that's why they ended up subbing him up. And do you think this explains pretty much everything that's happened to him, at least within the last couple of seasons? Like I don't form. know, because he he always struggles to hold down a spot, and I don't know if it relates to that or not. But if he continues with what I saw against the Galaxy, I I, I would see why he would end up on the bench. Mm, okay. Well, I mean, you would have thought that how everybody says where MLS is such an easier league, you know, in comparison to a Euro League, you'd expect him to be a starter and not be questioning if he's going to be starting every game yeah you see the thing about that is the um, i mean mls is definitely changing that stereotype but the mm-hmm. only one that follows the old trend of signing old players that are gonna retire eventually is the galaxy pretty much at this point that's their yeah. thing finding signing star players that don't really like just for brand exactly so like Costa, I mean, he was in the second division. Why would they? Why would you sign somebody in the second division anyway? I mean, it is Douglas Costa, but that's they it. They thought they were getting a steal. Exactly. Um, literally, they signed uh, Chicharito after he was at Sevilla for half a season and scored like one goal. Mm-hmm. And I think it was a free kick, and that was it. Um, <laughs> besides, not to mention like the garbage time that he had at West Ham for the last two seasons before that. So that was there was there was no reason to sign Chicharito based on form, if anything. Mm-hmm. But he can sell a lot of shirts, so that's probably why he did it, why they did it. And if anything, he's kind of had more form coming into the team rather than before he was on the team. Exactly. And then there's those rumors that Sergio Ramos wants or that he might leave PSG because he's having such a time, hard time regaining his fitness. And of course, naturally, everybody's associating them with the Galaxy. So um, literally, I don't think the league is as easy as people made it out to be before. Uh, yeah. If you're a top, top player and you still have that top form in your 30s, then yes, the league's going to make you look good. But if you're mm-hmm. a top top player that's not as good as they used to be, I think you're just going to struggle. Right, and so. we're seeing that with some players. Yeah, who like I'm trying to think of a good example of who that would, would Iguain be. be a good example? Iguain, yeah, but he's not in the best team, exactly. But Iguain would be a good example. I mean, Shakiri is already showing that nothing can happen so far. Mm-hmm. Um, Costa hasn't done anything. 
Chicharito is the only one that's done yeah, anything. But it took, him, then, it took him a year to do that because yeah, he didn't do anything then, the first the only season. The other person who did well was uh, Zlatan. Yeah, but I mean, he he does well. He hasn't done badly in any season. And Villa did also well with NYCFC. Exactly. So. And Nani at Orlando. That's right. So definitely the stereotype is changing. There's still, I mean, there's going to be a couple. If if an MLS team has a chance to sign a player that's going to sell them shirts, I'm pretty sure they're going to do it. But um, yeah. at, at this point, it seems like they're more focusing on their DPs being more young players from Central or South America, if anything. Yeah, All well, right. Basically, these last two results, I don't think that they're very threatening, at least not yet. I think, like you said, we still need a couple more games to see where every team is really standing. Yeah. All right. Should we move on to the, the game that we paid most attention to, naturally? <laughs> the main match. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, let's move on to it. I think it's, it's due time. All right. So, obviously, if anybody's followed the podcast, all three of you... Uh, <laughs> Uh, no, I don't know the number, but um, obviously you guys know what we're talking about. LAFC versus Portland, probably I'd say one of the better games of the weekend. Not as many goals, but it was certainly filled with action throughout the whole game. I mean, it could be just because I'm a fan, but it was such an exciting game, and my respects to Portland for their performance. It was incredible. Yeah. What do you, What was about? What about their performance? You think was incredible? That in the second half, it seemed to be, I want to say, like, 85% LA attacking. Because mm-hmm. they did have, like, a couple of times where they were countering and bringing the ball the other way. But having gone down to 10 players and still managing to block everything that LA was throwing at them. And the only reason that they ended up tying the game i think it was just because it kind of fell asleep in that last play Mm -hmm. but other than that you know they played amazing they they're very great defenders like i said parking the bus you don't want to call it that but that's what it was okay i guess they parked the bus their style is to bunker down especially against us we have the opposite philosophy take control of the ball and keep it in their half as long as possible. They give up possession and wait for any opportunity to break out on a counter. They're one of the ultimate counter-attacking teams. So yeah. that's the ultimate park the park the bus would mean that they had no counter-attacking at all. But especially once they got left with ten men, um, oh yeah, they, they definitely yeah, parked okay. the bus at that point because even when they attacked, it didn't it, it didn't look like they were trying to attack. It was more like trying to get the ball out of their area. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they pretty much the whole team was at the back. Yeah, when we went down to ten men. Yeah, but I, I agree with you. I think they defended really well. I mean, their center backs. I think Tuiloma and forget. Uh, I have the lineups right here. Let me see. Uh, was it Tuiloma and McGraw? Those two guys were blocking everything i think van ranking did a decent job of trying to hold back brian rodriguez and bravo his name's claudio bravo and i immediately was like oh, the goalie but no, the no goal- he changed a- positions just because he couldn't cut it out as a goalkeeper anymore no but this is uh claudio bravo left back 
Uh, he did a good job of keeping Vela and Chicho quiet the whole time until he got himself sent off. So, um, which was such a dumb, you know, decision from yeah. him to try and grab for Chicho's arm. Yeah, the dangerous thing about Portland, not only are they amazing at being defensive, but when they do get the ball and they're being pressured or they're undergoing heavy pressure, a lot mm-hmm. of their players are really good at maintaining that possession, even if multiple people are trying to take the ball from them. Yeah, they're really good at that, and I saw that they were really good at offloading the ball to the nearest free player, too. Yeah, like it, it just seems like they get the ball glued to their feet, and no matter how hard we try, they, get, they end up getting a pass out and um, stopping LA from recovering. That said, yeah. I do believe in the second half, LAC was really good at causing them to turn over the ball. This is before the Surpri- red card. And surprisingly, the reason that they got better... Well, was because Vela wasn't on the field anymore? Yeah, so from what I've seen, uh, Vela was taken off at halftime as a precaution that he felt um, something. So the injury that's kept him out is his right quadriceps, I believe. Okay. And he felt an issue in the same area. And it wasn't. It wasn't like he couldn't run or anything, but he was starting to feel, like I guess, a little bit uncomfortable. So instead of putting him back out on the field, they just took him off precautionarily. And uh, they're going to wait for the doctor to evaluate it, but they don't think it's anything serious. Nobody makes that claim that it's serious. So he'd probably be available for the next game. If not, he'd probably just only miss one game. I was completely confused when that happened. The last thing I expected, especially for this game, was for Vela to be subbed out. I mean, I was just as surprised, too, because it seems like it came out of nowhere. I mean, it's not like we saw Vela limping around at any point during the match. He did look like he was getting angrier by the second, but didn't see anything that showed that he was injured. He was getting angrier, but it was like a hunger anger. You know, like he wanted to score and prove, like, no, this is our house kind of thing. Yeah. Um. Well, yeah, we we talked about Portland. What we thought about Portland. What do you think of the overall LAFC performance? Uh, first half was very frustrating. I felt like they could not connect a single pass. Like mm-hmm. every pass that they tried to make, somehow found Portland rather than an LA player. Mm-hmm. Um, I I felt like they were shut down a lot. Yeah, in the first half, I think we definitely struggled to get the rhythm going. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, and um, I felt like in the first half, at least, that Portland was playing a very mental game on L.A., and L.A. was just eating it all up and getting frustrated, especially with the calls seeming to go a bit more in Portland's favor in the beginning. Mm-hmm. And like you said, Vela was getting frustrated and angry, and everybody else was kind of getting stressed out that any little touch that they did or closeness that they did to a Portland player would result in a foul being called. Um, So at least that's what I felt for them in the first half. Uh, In the second half, I feel like it was completely flipped. I think. Yeah. Yeah. We opposite. We followed a game plan even before the red card. Even when it was 11v11, we followed our game plan. We were definitely pushing them, especially in the first five minutes of that half, um, Mm -hmm. into their own box. 
and we're definitely causing them to follow us more than we're following them hence why half the team ended up with yellow cards basically um yeah in terms of that i i was really happy with the performance especially being one nil down for so long mm-hmm. um i think they put in a lot of hard work and it didn't look like they ever gave up some players looked like they were gassed like they had no energy anymore but, oh yeah uh definitely the whole team especially brian he they they kept running the whole time trying to find an equalizer um and luckily it just seems like through sheer willpower they ended up finding it yeah a sheer, sheer uh, willpower <laughs> and uh, i can't even talk anymore um willpower and a little bit of luck uh, I yeah. think that that last play was very luck driven. Yeah. It just happened to be where there was really no Portland player who was covering Mama Dufal when he got there to, you know, connect with the ball and score it in. Where it looked like he could have been offside, but honestly, on the replay, you can clearly see that he wasn't. Yeah. So overall, in the performance, I think they did great. Uh, I'm I'm happy with the draw, especially against Portland. They're a tough team, and we've definitely lost to them a bunch of times. So I'm happy mm-hmm. with the draw. I'm sure they'll be happy with the draw too. But they lost two while or they lost two points while we gained one. So that's how I'm going to choose to see it. And yeah, it's, it's kind of like it's kind of like San Jose. Uh, even though we were playing against a ten, this is the example. Two team examples of how to play ten men. Mm-hmm. You know, San Jose and Portland. Yeah. Who, even though they were down, and yeah, for Portland, it's going to feel like a loss. But honestly, they should feel really proud because they held up for so long yep. with just ten men. And I think one point is respectable to come come out of this, especially when you are facing this kind of uneven matchup. Um, and what about Acosta? What do you think about him? Well, I was going to say we should go through we should go through the players one by one, but. Uh, in terms of Costa, I mean, I didn't really see much from him in terms of creativity. I think mm-hmm. he made exactly the pass that everybody assumed he was going to make. He always kept pulling, or passing the ball out wide, running in behind, and then getting the, po- the ball passed back to him, and he'd go in for a center. In terms of so centers, predictable. Yeah, he's pretty predictable. In terms of centers, I thought they were very poor, especially on the corners. Um, I think he took over from Brian, the corner kicking duties, uh, especially when yeah. Vela's not there. But uh, in terms of his corners, they kept going to the first defender, that uh, first Portland defender. They kept clearing it. So, they, uh, I mean, he's the U.S. specialist, especially when he, when he goes to the national team. He's one of the specialists in right. terms of set pieces. So you'd expect way more than that. I mean, I can't imagine mm-hmm. it'd be too hard to get a ball into the middle of the box. So I definitely want to see that improve. I wasn't that impressed with his performance. I didn't think he did anything outstanding, but I'm hoping this is just a one-game issue and it was a tough game. So hopefully on a lot of the easier teams that we play against, Mm -hmm. we'll see a little bit more magic coming from him. Yeah, if anything, the highlight that he had in this game was less with his passing and more with his recovery because there were plenty of times where Portland had broken out and were on their way to try and score and i would just see him darting across just recovering the ball i mean his recovery game was good but his chief role isn't exactly to recover it we got him for 
not only being a set piece specialist to replace a Twesta, who was our previous set piece specialist besides Vela, but mm-hmm. uh, also to add some creativity going forward, which is the two things that I didn't see. So he right. did one third of his job, which is to try to recover, but uh, the other two didn't seem like he did much. No, no, he didn't. Uh, I was a bit disappointed with that. Yeah. yeah. What do you think of Maxine Cropot? Uh, Not much to do. But was, he, was he in the game other than the the first half? I mean, a save in the second half, or else we would have been scored on. Okay, yeah, but I mean, for the most part, he was kind of not really present. Um, if one thing I noticed, at least that I thought was that the whole team was up front; they were past the halfway line, yeah. and he, even Cripo was outside of his box in the second half. Mm-hmm. Um. But I think he made a pretty pretty good performance for any moment that the ball was coming towards him and keeping the defense line settled. Um, the goal that Yimichara scored was an amazing goal that he just would not be able to do anything about. Mm. Uh, I was about to say, like, what do you think he was at fault for that goal? But obviously you just said there's no chance no. That he could have done anything. I agree. No. Because as a goalkeeper, I think he was a little bit off of his line, but nobody expects the ball coming in from that angle. If anything, you want to be off your line to react faster, which is why he was there. So in terms of that, it was just a wonder goal. Um, In another podcast I was listening to, that's what they were saying. They're like, I don't mind us being scored on as long as it's goals like that. They have to do something magical in order to get it past us. Uh, But in terms of us giving it away to them and letting them score a goal, then we'd be disappointed. So... Uh, that definitely lets it sit better, because uh, mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's a Chilena. There's there's not much people can do. It's very hard to predict, and especially when it goes looping over you like that. Uh, I don't I don't think any goalkeeper would have saved that. No, no, it was way over his head, and it had just the right amount of height, the right amount of speed, and enough dip in it to get in. Uh, because I saw him just outstretched and. He was just never going to get there. Yeah. The only um, way that would work is if he was already in that position waiting for the ball. But other than that, no. Yeah, I mean, I'm still happy with his performance, though. Like I said, he he only had one save to make, really. And that was a one-on-one mm-hmm. in the second half. And he blocked it. And what I did like about Crepo was that when he made that save and he threw it out so they could play forward, he went chasing after our own players, yeah. screaming at them yeah. to get forward because he wanted to win the get game. forward, move fast. So yeah. I'm loving how vocal he is as a goalkeeper. And there's nothing wrong that could come with uh, a goalkeeper that gives your defense more information and tries to help the team move forward. So I'm still more than happy with Crepo. I can't wait to see him for a full season in our back line. Yeah. yeah. No, no, I'm super happy and... I'm impressed with his play, with his character, and how he really wears the team. Yeah. So uh, I'm I'm proud of him for how he plays. All right. Let's talk about our defense, really. Is there any performances that stood out to you in a good or bad way? Um, Last week, we had a good Murillo. This week, we had a so-so Murillo at the first half and then a little better in the second half. I know, and during the first five ten minutes, I was afraid that old Murillo came back, because there was a couple. I think there was one or two balls. Like there was the first one, he ended up slicing the ball when it was a simple pass, and it gave it straight <laughs> to Portland. 
And yeah. then the second one, uh, a ball came in from the other side of the field, and all he had to do was control it, and it went under his foot behind him, and he had to sprint back to prevent. Um, uh, I think it was uh, I forgot who from Portland was about to get there, but he basically had to do a sliding challenge to prevent a counterattack from happening. So he's definitely got to work on those simple mistakes because last season they cost us. Sure, we have a yeah. better goalie, but we shouldn't be putting him in those positions to begin with because we don't want to mm-hmm. set him up to fail. So he definitely needs to work on that. Um, I don't think he was as good as the first game, but um, they definitely held it down in the second half. Yeah, I agree that he wasn't as good as the first game. The first half, when you told me that that's how he was playing, and then I saw for myself that he was you know, turning the ball over so easily. I was like, no, not again. I was getting flashbacks of terrible moments where he would give these away last season. Yeah. And luckily, I don't know what happened, but he kind of settled down and started playing better in the second half. Mm-hmm. So I'm not completely disappointed, but I'm happy it wasn't a full match with last season Murillo. Yeah, yeah. Um, what do you think of Franco Escobar leaving? I think it was eleventh or twelfth minute. He was only in the game for like twelve minutes because he picked up an uh, injury. Well, I didn't start watching until after that, so I didn't even know how he was doing before then. He looked like he was okay, and he didn't really look that injured to me. But I mean, you'd rather take the player off early if he is feeling something. Um, so he didn't really play long enough for me to judge how how well he was doing in the game. Uh, mm-hmm. But they did end up replacing him with Ryan Hollingshead. The only thing <laughs> that leaves me confused, confused is, like, why not put uh, Kim Moon-Hwan in this game? I feel like his pace and his energy benefited. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be like having Blessing on the field. He's another Blessing. They both run the same amount. Uh, yeah, and they both keep the ball so close to their feet. And with their low center of gravity can maneuver around every player. That's why Blessing is so good at getting fouled. And because I don't know if you noticed this, but as soon as he went in, we started getting so many fouls in our favor. Yep. And he his low center of gravity is so good at holding off players because no matter how hard they yep. tried, he, he can't not only did he get the ball, but he would go past them every single time. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. so I think that it would have been great if both of them would have been brought in i mean we ended up uh subbing out cifuentes anyway and usually that is the sub that blessing comes in for if it's not yeah. blessing starting it's cifuentes starting but they this them time, out for chiqui palacios i think uh yeah they did and then um hollingshead went over to escobar's position right yeah and but he's a left back like he's supposed to be where Chiqui Palacios is the thing is yeah. like Ryan Hollingshead went in he was playing okay then he got a yellow card relatively quickly after getting subbed in mm-hmm. um, and then besides that I didn't really see anything special from him he did have a couple of forward runs but I didn't see any crazy creativity or no special play that stood out to me in terms of causing danger to the opposition when it comes to causing danger or attacking, I can't say that I noticed much, but I will say I was happy with the way that he played. Aside from the yellow card, I felt like he was really good at recovering the ball. He was really good at holding at the ball. 
and just doing those small little passes in the midfield. Yeah. If anything, I think all we can expect from Ryan Hollingshead is consistency, which I think is an underrated trait. Yeah, I know. To me, like, if I had to, you know, describe how he played, I'd say I was happy with how he played. I'm not disappointed, uh, especially not knowing anything about him and his play style or what he's done in the past. But to me, I was happy with his performance. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about Mamadou Fall. At this point, I don't know if we should keep calling Mamadou Fall or call him Mbake, right? Because uh, <laughs> uh, the shirt says that's different. That's why I but, just go with Fall. Yeah, but Mamadou Fall is so fun to say. <laughs> So well, I mean, I'll, everybody calls him Mamadou Fall. So. Exactly. So I'll just keep going with yeah. that. Um, I mean, I don't know how he does it, but he keeps getting us goals. <laughs> I love his energy, his personality when it comes to scoring and just owning the game. It's so good. Yeah, I wish we had two of them. One play center back, one play CDM. <laughs> He's so good, like, moving forward. Yeah. yeah. It's just a shame he has to stay at the back. <laughs> it really is. We could afford putting him forward, you know. Well, especially especially in the games like this, mm-hmm. we could we definitely could have afforded it, and we did because he ended up getting this goal, right? So, yeah. Um, watching watching him just get there, it just looked like a striker's position when he scored that. I know, and I like that he likes to take games by. Or he's like to get, grab games by the horn, basically. And he's like, yeah. you know what? I'm tired of not scoring a goal. Let me see what I can do about this. Because mm-hmm. there will be a couple of times where he just grabs the ball and he runs. He just runs straight. Uh, tries to take as many people as he can to try yeah. to get some creativity going. So I like that we yeah. have an outlet like that in fall. Uh, so I don't know if I'd ever want to take him out of the team, to be honest. Because at this point... They kept a clean sheet in the first game, and he got us a goal in the second one. What's he going to do for the rest of the season? And he's one of our targets when it comes to set pieces. Exactly. Like I don't, I'm, we don't have a player better in the air than he is because he jumps just so high and he's so tall. We used to <clears throat> Zimmerman. <clears throat> yeah, I know, but I'm pretty sure Fall would score more goals than Zimmerman. With his attitude, yes, he. Yeah. Ha- I feel like he has more of a drive when it comes to having an impact on the game Mm -hmm. and i was very happy with his defending in this game he did have a couple of hiccups here and there but but we could just attribute that to his age right so yeah again he's still a very young player but uh even though he did have those they weren't anything too big that his positive effect on this game his defensive play in this game would have been overshadowed by it Uh, If it would have been a turnover that would have led to us losing the game, then yeah, you know, it's like, oh, you got to consider how much are you going to risk for a young player to continue making mistakes like these. Mm -hmm. But to me, I think he ended up doing way more good when it came to his defense than a couple of turnovers. And I think I remember seeing seeing one where he um, turned over the ball, but immediately went back and took the ball back. So yeah. even, even though he does end up losing the ball sometimes, I feel like he's one of the the only players that does go and try to get the ball back. Yeah. All right, let's move on to the midfield. Um, I don't think we need to talk about much much about Elie. I'm pretty sure everyone, everywhere I've seen, they're in love with Elie. So it, it was another masterclass from him. 
The only thing I have to say is that that is not a yellow card. I know. I was about to say, I was like, he did get a yellow card in this game, but even on the replay, he got the ball, so it's not even his fault. He's the one that got stepped on. And he looked so depressed when he got it, too. I felt so bad. (laughs) I think I got depressed, too. Just was like, no, no, you don't deserve that yellow. You got it. It was clean. Yeah, but um, out of the midfield three, obviously he was the best performer. He's so yeah. far consistent two games in a row. The only reason he wasn't in team of the week, I'm pretty sure, is because we tied the game. If he we would have won, I'm 100 sure there. he would have been in there again. Uh, yeah. We already talked about Kellen Acosta, so we move on to Sifu. What do you think about Sifu's performance? I feel like Sifu did pretty well, but I feel like he also had kind of a couple turnovers. Yeah, um, his passing was not the best in that game. A lot of simple passes that he just he wasn't focused and he just gave the ball away. It was really frustrating to see. That's what I was noticing. But again, I feel like I'm going to say this about pretty much everybody on the team. Everybody's recovery game was really good. Yeah, especially in the second half. And just like uh, Acosta, like you said, his his main job is moving forward, not just recovering. So he only did perform part of his job because he was hustling back and recovering the ball trying to intercept the ball but i want to say that in his case it just like in acosta's case it's overshadowed by the simple mistakes that he was causing with the small passes and they weren't even long passes you know if it was a long ball it's like you know what it's 50 50 no this is a short pass that he was messing up on no no these are standard passes that he should be getting but since he's not focused he's not paying attention to exactly the perfect direction that he should be passing to. Uh, mm-hmm. I would say he's not supposed to be our 100% defensive midfielder. He's supposed to be... He is basically the creative out, outlet for our team. Mm-hmm. In terms of that, um, he did have like a couple of passes that we left inside the box, and I think Ilya ended up missing one of those. But yeah. um, I'd, I'd still would like to see more from him. I don't think he's providing as much as he should. Um and his passing definitely needs to pr- improve if we don't want to t- turn the ball over so much, especially in the area of the field where he is. That's very dangerous. Yeah, and I feel like that's always been kind of one of his issues, the turning over and completing those short passes. Yeah, so hopefully you can improve. We saw that from his form last season that he definitely has what it takes to be a top player. A lot of mm-hmm. people online that go for LFC I've seen that um, we have a DP slot open, right? Because, um, was it Fenerbahce officially bought Diego Rossi, I think, like a month ago or right. something like that? Uh, a lot yeah. of people are saying that they want to see a DP caliber attacking midfielder join our team, who would most that likely would be- take the spot of C. Fuentes. But given that C. That Fuentes is. I feel like we're miss- we're still missing that creativity. We're that- missing a link from defense to attack, basically. Yeah, right? it, it, it sparks the attack. You know, yeah. it it makes it flow because just like you said, saying that there's that link that's missing, it feels choppy when we're moving from the back to the front. Yeah, and I always find that our, all our creativity, most of it is in the our front line. The only yeah. issue is that when they're using their creativity, there's nobody for them leading it's the line through. because they're, that's supposed to be them, right? Mm-hmm. So they if we had a... Exactly. So if we had a creative midfielder um, playing with Ilya and uh, Acosta, I'm pretty sure Ilya and Acosta could cover for like all the defensive duties in the midfield. 
Mm-hmm. And if we had a, a midfielder who was able to roam around and be as creative as they wanted to be, uh, that'd be super useful in creating that link between yeah. our midfield and our attack. And I think we'd be super dangerous with somebody like that. And but, it'd be way more fun to watch too. Yeah, but there's still rumors on who that could be or if that's not going to happen now or until the summer. Cause... If it doesn't happen now, I think it's fine. Yeah. But it should definitely be something that should be considered. Yeah, because there's rumors that Isco might be that guy, which would, I mean, it'd be dope to see him in a LAFC kit. But, I mean, there's plenty of people out there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, All right, now let's move on to the front line. Yeah, so we already uh, kind of talked about Vela anyway. Yeah, we already talked about Vela, and he was only on the field for half the the game. I mean, yeah. if we're really going to touch up on him, it would just be that. He was kind of shut down most of the most of that time. Yeah, and our team kept and, defaulting to passing the ball to him, even when he wasn't in the best situation. It was just like, oh, it doesn't matter that he's not that open. We're just gonna give it to Vela, right? Yeah, we don't want a pass to Ronaldo situation or a pass to Messi situation going on here. Yes. I think it's important for the t- team be to be able to function without that mentality to have confidence in them- in themselves that they can actually do something that it's not pass to Vela and let him do the magic. Yeah, which is why uh, what I told you, I thought it was a good move to remove Vela at halftime, partly because it forced the rest of the players to play with the whole team, per se, not to focus on one guy. And I think that led to a lot more of us keeping possession and also increasing the pressure on Portland's back line since we had so many players running around touching the ball, basically. I felt like the second half, um, the pace went up, removing Vela, because since the whole plays and the team was depending on what Vela will do, the pace was going at whatever he decided it was going to be. But removing that and bringing in Aboku, the pace seemed to go way, way up in how we were playing. And the sense of urgency increased, too. Mm Mm-hmm. So I, I really enjoyed that. Me too. Uh, what do you think of Chicho's game? I thought he was great. Uh, he should have scored. I think there was like two or three chances that he had. I was going to say that. He's he's super creative. Uh, I love the way he plays. Yeah, he's really good at holding up the ball, but he should have had a goal in that game. Yeah. yeah. I, honestly, I want to say that this game should have been like a 3-1. With amount of, I mean, we in had favor. 25 shots. It should have been like 5-1. <laughs> I know, but I'm talking about the absolutely clear chances between Chicho and Ilie. Yeah. It should have been at least 3-1 clear. Like, I mean, they should have been at least on target, if anything. They had all yeah, the time in the world. I could see Ilya's spirit just leaving his body as soon as he missed that. Yeah, I know. But in terms of his performance, I mean, I'm not mad with Chicho. I know he's creative. He especially likes to get us going. He does a couple of magical plays, and we know he can score a goal, so it's just a matter of time. Yeah, I think it's the same thing as last season. He just needs to get into a rhythm, and once he's comfortable in that rhythm, then he'll start scoring again. Mm. But I'm not upset with his game. Sure, he missed those very clear chances with his quality. He should be scoring those. Um, but he is at the same time doing doing what he can with what he has at hand right now. Uh, and what you mentioned, we don't have that creativity in the middle, so he is the one doing that along with the other two. 
Yeah, and I think that's pretty much all I gotta say about Chicho. I mean, we we love Chicho here, so mm-hmm. um, I'm excited to see what he can do next week, especially against Miami. Uh, yeah, <laughs> okay. I hope that you know, based on how uh, Inter's been playing, I hope that it'll be kind of like an easy game for us, uh, so that it could be a confidence booster, and everybody could kind of just get into that rhythm, like, yeah, we're doing great. Let's just keep this up. Yeah, definitely. Uh, we got to talk about Brian, your boy Brian. Uh, Brian, I felt like he defaulted into last season, Brian, but the one where he kept trying to go at someone and he just couldn't get through them. Yes, however, Brian did not have a great game, but that didn't stop him from trying every single time. And I think if he didn't have that personality trait where he keeps trying something even though it doesn't work, we wanted to have yeah. that goal in then because he finally got one to work and That's luckily true. ended up being in a goal. So that determination, that stubbornness, I think that's really useful, especially in games like this where it's a grudge match. We need more players like him to put that amount of effort. And granted, the whole team basically put in a bunch of effort to try to get that tying goal. But I think Brian... A lot of people saying Brian should be man of the match. Like I said, he didn't have that great of a game, but in terms of effort, he should be man of the match because he was the one running around trying to create something. Yeah, he did put in a lot of effort. The only thing is that it's so frustrating to see him try the same move over and over and over. Um, And I'm not disagreeing with you. I think it's great that that he has that stubborn mentality of, I'm going to do it, but... I kind of wish that he also had a little bit of extra creativity when he came to trying to do it, you know, Mm -hmm. problem solving, like, oh, I'm going to try this other thing now or this other thing or being aware that Van Drenking was on a yellow and maybe taking advantage of that. I mean, Chicho took advantage of that with Bravo and got Mm -hmm. him sent off. We could have had two reds in this one because I want to say around the same time that Bravo got the red card, Van Rankin was kind of acting the same way. He was having a couple of reckless um, challenges when it came to recovering the ball for Portland. And if Brian could have kind of clicked with that, seeing that, then he could have taken advantage of that. Yeah, he should have definitely pushed them more. But I'm happy with his performance. I like that he actually enjoys to play it looks like he's enjoying being in the team and contributing he celebrated that second goal like he, he was the one that scored himself like he was super happy yeah. getting the assist so i like to see that I, I'll passion admit, i'll admit he's definitely definitely different to the old prior brian to, right yeah to the old brian the old brian definitely had that i don't want to be here i'm too good for this team kind of feel uh, or if it was like, ah, I'm not really going to try. Like, what's the point? Yeah. I'm just thinking about my next move. And yeah. this time around, he's actually playing for the team. Yeah. At least that's what I feel like. And you saw how happy he was at the end of the game. And even during the press conference yeah. at the end, he actually ended up saying, well, we only got a draw. I wish we, sh- we should have gotten the win. But, you know, yeah. that was the game. Uh I want to get a win next time, so we'll keep working to do that. So he wasn't even satisfied with just getting the draw. So I like to see that kind of determination, that kind of grit, the the kind of desire to be better. And I think this this Brian is the one that I wish we had during his first season. Mm-hmm. But I'm but, happy with him. 
but I think like everything, everybody has to go through something in order to open their eyes to what reality is. And in this case, it took him going away to figure that out and appreciate mm. the position that he's in with the team. Yeah. Uh, now, we've gone through everybody. And I want to go back to Mamadou Fall. And at the end of the game, it looked like he was trying to fight with someone. Did you find out why or who? No, I didn't find out who, but I did find out that he basically said all the bad words or he said all the curse words in about four different languages. <laughs> he said, yeah, it, he said it in so English. Much. He said it in Spanish. He said it in French. Uh, I forgot what other one he said it in, but they're all basically the same message. I think he was just like, I don't know what language you speak, but I'm going to cover all the bases just in case. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Hey. That's good. Yeah, just no. cover all the bases. But uh, I I really thought there was going to be a fight that was going to break out at that point. No, nah, no. Nah, he just likes to talk, but I think we need players of that kind of confidence. Especially in the back line like that. I love his confidence. Especially at such feel, a young age. I feel like Cripo and Fall have such a good connection because their personalities in that sense are very similar. Yeah. And um, in the press conference after the match, um, he's, he's not like, I scored this goal. I made this happen. He's more like, this is the result of the team. We worked hard. The fans are here to... They give us the gift of supporting us, so I wanted to give them a gift back by scoring Google. You know, that was that was basically what he was saying. And yeah. I've never heard him say anything wrong. Like he says all the right things. That's, that's <laughs> awesome. Very confident and humble. Um, and then <laughs> yeah, one sure, humble. <laughs> I mean, hey, if he's saying that it's a team's effort, it's yeah. a team's effort. Yeah. Um, one last person that we have to look at before we finish the topic of LAFC is the coach himself. Uh-huh. What do you think of Chirondolo's tactics uh, coming up against Por- Portland being one of our strongest rivals? Uh, I like that he, once he saw that we were a man up, he was just like, let's throw all the meat on there. You know, he right. put as many attacking players as possible mm-hmm. to try to get that goal, to try to get something to happen. And not a lot of coaches would do that. A lot of coaches yeah. would be scared. So I do give him his props for that. I liked his substitutions, except for the fact that he didn't bring Kim Un Juan on for uh, for Escobar. Because I think it was kind of it seems kind of insulting to me that you bring on Ryan Hollingshead, who plays on the other side of the field, and mm-hmm. then you bring off Blessing, who is not that's not his best position to replace Chiqui Palacios. And you right. leave our actual, you know, backup right back on the bench. On the bench. So I would love to see him get a start, if not the next game, in the next couple of games, because I would not want him being upset. I think he's one of my favorite players in terms of his energy. He's like Latif Blessing, but defensive. So yeah, uh, I would like to see him, especially him linking up with Vela. They have a good chemistry together as well. Um, they really do. So, yeah. So basically in terms of the coach, I think, good job i would like to see a win but i mean he can't go out on the field and make that happen so yeah well he did all the right choices in order to make us get that draw at 1-1 and come away with a point uh it was a very big test for him with such a strong opponent and it's only the first of 
many still to come. Yeah, but we should be good next week, but we'll talk about that on the next episode. Not that I'm ending it. I'm just saying we'll talk about it on the next episode. Uh, okay, so that pretty much covers MLS, right? Yeah. Okay, I think we should talk about the Manchester Derby since we did talk about it last week. <laughs> oh, yeah, man. What, is that man you? I thought Man U just kind of gave the game away. Isn't that what no, happened? No, man, Manchester's red because of all the blood that Man City pulled out of him. Uh... <laughs> okay, tell me what happened because I did not pay attention to this at all. Okay, so um, we started off the game well. We're doing our press. Granted, a Man United press, especially right now with the players we have, is pretty bad. <laughs> uh, we try to press, but we don't cover any passing lanes while we're pressing. We just run down players. So, but was Ronaldo on the field? Oh no, he wasn't because there's. Uh, Rangnick claimed that Ronaldo picked up an injury, and the the doctors reported that he has uh, I think it was right abductor abductor however you say it injury mm. a lot of people are saying that he just opted to not be in the team which I don't know if a player has that power but I don't know I'd rather not believe the rumors especially with the media how it is they they want to create stories and whatnot. Uh, right in terms of the game like I said they started off with the pressure well five minutes later they give up a goal uh <laughs> Wow, that <clears throat> lasted five minutes. Yeah, I know. Um, it wasn't that great. And then uh, literally we we did our pressure again and we were able to find Sancho at the edge of the box and he was able to curl one in, tie it at 1-1. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was like, okay, we, we might be able to do some magic here. And especially all, under Ollie, Man United was pretty good at upsetting Pep. Like, he was really good at beating Man City for some reason. But really bad at winning against easy teams. So, Do you know what? It's the little, it's the big ones that count. And Ollie was able to do that. Yeah, I, I think you need Ollie back. You get you guys should hire Ollie back. No, I'm okay. Uh, so, yeah, that happened. And then the second Man City goal happened, which I think at that point we stopped pressing as much because I only saw Bruno running around. And Phil Foden gets the ball, and he just basically kicks it over Lindelof. Lindelof goes whoop, you know, and just gets sent. Gets, gets sent for the <laughs> shop to the shop for a bag of chips. Uh, I mean, crisps. Uh, crisps. Yeah. And he shoots against De Gea. De Gea blocks it. Maguire's standing there. He lets the ball go through his legs. When he could have kicked it out, and Is he doing more of his no look defending. Yeah, no, it's because the ball bounced right to Maguire, so Maguire could have kicked it out right there. But he's like, you know what? I'm gonna let it go through my legs because I'm pretty sure there's a Man United player behind me. And nope, it was Man City, and they ended up taking another shot at De Gea, and De Gea blocked that one too. But on the rebound, it fell to De Bruyne, who just you know blasted it in. Yeah. Oh. Uh, and then. I mean, the third goal, the whole second half, I mean, the press was non-existent by Man United. We just sat back and hoped for the best. The third goal was inevitable. It was, uh, it was a lucky shot. I mean, I think, I think it was the Mara's goal where he scored a 